It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the Connacht game against the Kings in South Africa. My name's Alan Deegan and on the line I've got William Davis. Good evening, Alan. So, let's start with last Saturday. Perinara, Kieran Reid leaves it behind and it's knocked forward! It's knocked forward! And it's all over! It's all over! And as the great Willie John McBride said when the Lions beat New Zealand in 71, now I can die happy! I have seen every single thing I want to see at a rugby match at dear old Lansdowne Road. I've seen Ireland win triple crowns, but I've seen Ireland win against the New Zealand All Blacks for the first time on this hallowed turf. And I will take that to my grave or wherever I'm meant to go. What a performance by Rory Best and his men in green. It was the top two sides in the world the double and indeed treble world champions New Zealand coming in as the best side in the world Ireland as number two and if there's any justice Ireland will be crowned the number one side in the world and along with that you've got to take your hat off to everybody what a magnificent game Rory Best played as hooker and captain and everything else and another veteran of two grand slams Rob Carney is hugging him as well Kieran Reid as gracious in defeat as he is magnanimous in victory, shakes the hands of the men in green. And I've said before that the only way you'll get respect from these New Zealanders is to beat them. And Ireland, in the space of two years, have beaten them twice. They've beaten them in Chicago, which was delicious, but they've beaten them here at Lansdowne Road, which is unbelievable. Great stuff there from from Jim Neely, the, the legendary commentator from the north end of the island. Yeah, he was in good form. It meant an awful lot to him, and uh, it meant a lot to all of us. But uh, yeah, I like that historic win, William. Where were you watching it? Uh, I was watching it here in my uh, sitting room, on watching my rather large screen with a cigar in one hand and plenty of advice being given out. I'm sure my neighbours were wondering what the hell was going on. Brilliant coaching performance. They had a lot of answers, and I think. New Zealand team, New Zealand media, very up front. They were beaten on the night by a better side who had a better plan and executed it. And I was delighted by the performance of the two Connacht players. Mm. I thought Kieran Marmion had an excellent night. Very disappointing news today that he's had to have surgery on that ankle problem. He's going to be out till February. We wish him really well. And I thought Bundiaki had his best day in an Irish shirt I thought he, he came of age and um, it was just it was just a thoroughly enjoyable evening and I think it's galvanised a lot of interest in rugby all around the country um, I think people are talking about it and um, yeah Brian I was just listening to Brian Rodriscoll he was on another podcast and he was saying he had to he watched it at home and then had to go somewhere afterwards and he got into the taxi and the taxi man said it was like the World Cup in 1990 there was nobody on the streets everybody was watching the game and that that's incredible for rugby yeah I think uh, look rugby's in a very good place here at the moment um, this sort of time um, last year we you know the, the decision was made that the World Cup wasn't coming here and that was a, was a bit of a severe blow but I think the team have, have lifted on from that the quality of player and, and the understanding that you know it's really hard work and dedication and wanting to go in with the right intention of what they're trying to do um, 
like the coach can have all the intention in the world but the players don't have it there's no point but I think he he does I think he inspires people to be the best that they can possibly be on a rugby field and that, but that goes all the way down to, to grassroots and what the IRFU did 15 20 years ago when when they started coaching coaches to, to coach the game in, in a way that made sure skill levels were as high as they are now kids are coming you know it's, it's right through coming from mini rugby through the clubs through the schools all the way through you're looking at high class rugby right across the board and it's it's as you say gets to the peak at the top the system is working for Ireland and it's it's the benchmark it's what well, I think it's what Wales would like to do Scotland probably with two teams are never going to quite manage it mm. but it's it's looking after your players it's identifying your best players um, but the, but all of that was the culmination of that was last Saturday so that look that came for Saturday is, is done and dusted now as far as the players and the management are concerned Peter O'Mahony seemed to have, have given passed it over after about 30 seconds because <laughs> he was interviewed on RTE and he came up with this line which is uh, yeah, and now we have to, to go back inside and get ready to play the USA. And I just thought, that is... Yeah. I bust out laughing. Yeah. But I thought, that's the way... Professionals are just different. They're in a bubble. And that's the way he probably sees it. It's, yep, this is, job is done, ticked off. Great job. We won. We played better. And now what's the, what's the next question that you have? What's the next challenge you have for me? Yeah, and, and it, it sort of... It, it dispels the whole myth... Of, of New Zealand rugby for these guys, especially the younger guys. The older guys have been driven on by these younger guys coming through and the younger guys are going, you know, how come you couldn't beat these fellas? Look, we're after doing it twice in three years. And so <laughs> that, that myth is gone, which is going to be fascinating to see how New Zealand react to that because you, you'd expect them to react to it. I think this is probably one of the best things that could have happened to New Zealand is to come up here, struggle to, to beat England by a point and only score one try and then not score a try against us and you'll see that there'll be a reaction to that so it's going to make for a, a fascinating World Cup next year um, the other thing that happened at the weekend Ireland, Ireland's women played and I went up to watch and it was um, it was a good game it wasn't the, the greatest game in the world and Ireland certainly threw away a couple of chances early on but the, the big thing for me the two things for me was, was um, Adele McMahon got her, her start her first start and was going around smashing into people it was <laughs> As her as she normally does, this is her want and, and um, played quite well before she she was substituted and then eventually Bevan Parsons came on, sixteen years of age, getting her first cap for Ireland, which is a phenomenal that that'll never happen again, I don't think. Um, and with the only touch of the ball she got, she drifted past three players and and didn't score because two people were lying underneath her. She tried to score, she was amazing and the the friction of excitement from that was 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 incredible and. Um, if she can stay fit, she's going to be a special, special player. Uh, yeah, look, phenomenal talent. We saw it under 18 level. Um, this is a different level again. Speed, speed in any sport, doesn't matter what team sport, what field sport. If you're faster than the other person who's in front of you, you're going to give them grief. And um, we wish her well. Ireland's women have a huge match coming up at uh, Twickenham. It's, it's after the England-Australia match. It kicks off at uh, 5.40. It's, it's uh, live on um, Sky Sports from 5.30. That will be a huge test for them. I mean, England are going professional with their women's rugby team. And it's uh, be a great learning curve for them. That's, that's just a tough game. Um, I watched the game here and uh, they did blow some chances um, maybe not quite enough trust in their backs 
and only playing their first game of the season. Um, America, I think, had played a couple of games on tour. So mm-hmm. we'll watch that game on Saturday with great interest. We would like to thank the official Connacht Rugby Supporters Club for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out the Supporters Club website at connachtlan.com. Membership is only €10 and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com for all your supporting needs. Right, Connacht are in South Africa this weekend, William. Yeah, indeed they are. They're down to play two matches, Alan. This is the first time they've done the mini tour. They're in action on Sunday with a kick-off time Irish of 1pm in Port Elizabeth. They're taking on the Southern Kings. And then the following Saturday afternoon with an Irish kick-off time of 3pm, they're in Toyota Stadium to play the Cheetahs in Bloemfontein. And I'm very pleased to say we've just interviewed and had a chat with Morgan Peake, who is a journalist with OFM radio in Bloemfontein. He sent us up some audio from that trip last year and um, this is what he had to say. I'm delighted now to say I'm going to talk to Morgan Peake in Bloemfontein. He works for OFM Radio uh, as a rugby correspondent. We got some audio from him last year when Connacht were down there, and uh, with Connacht in South Africa now for their mini tour, I'd like to welcome you along to the Craggy Rugby Podcast, Morgan. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to finally be on your podcast. I'm just wondering how, and I have to start with international rugby, how is the, how has the result, Ireland's win over New Zealand at the weekend, uh, how has that made the media down there? Trust me, it's really big news. Um, we respect all that tremendously down here, but we also do enjoy it when they get hammered or get a drubbing by a side, especially from the Northern Hemisphere. And on the day, a lot of South Africans want to be Irish, and Saturday was one of those days. So we're quite happy about the news. Would have been better if there was the Wallabies, because we cannot stand them, but we're very, very happy for Irish rugby. Yeah, it's certainly it's got, it's got a lot of attention uh, up here. It's uh, it's still major news, even even sort of seventy two hours later. And uh, we'll have to see how that uh, how that plays out. Morgan, I'm interested in um, the Pro Fourteen and how you feel the South African teams are, are settling into this. And I have I have to say up here, there's a bit of a disconnect between the media and maybe fans up here that the South African games are on television, but there isn't a lot of analysis or a lot of depth into how the two sides are. So maybe you could fill us in on that and just give us a, a heads up maybe on what we can expect from the Kings and the Cheetahs. Uh, it's quite interesting that you mention it because we actually not getting that analysis yet. We know the pre-match halftime and post-match analysis from the broadcasters here. The reasons for that, I don't know, uh, because I know a lot of the commentators and a lot of them are very good mates of mine, and they can't give me those answers yet either. I think it's because it's still only in its infancy in South Africa that it hasn't really captured the imagination of the major centres 
Uh, and when I say major centres, I'm talking about the Super Rugby areas, you know, Cape Town, Durban, mm-hmm. Johannesburg, and Victoria. So, because it's only us and the Kings, so, you know, Bloemfontein and Port Elizabeth that are getting into Super uh, Pro 14. However, with the two new franchises that, it, that have been announced by SA Rugby, the Greekers and the Pumas, it could generate a little bit more interest because a lot of the major unions do get their players from that region. So it, it might change in the next two years. Um, Bloomington, the buzz is not as big as it was last year in that debut season when the Cheetahs reached the playoffs. Um, understandable that the fans are disappointed after losing 20 players in the off-season to teams across the world. But that was going to happen whether the Cheetahs were in the Pro 14 or the Super Rugby because a lot of them's contracts were set to expire. <clears throat> and this is the thing about Cheetahs Rugby that we do like generating players and breeding players. And then it's a business. You know, you get a guy for dirt cheap and you generate him into a great player and you can make a profit out of it, which in my opinion is a very smart business. The Kings are looking a lot better than last year, in my opinion. They made, they actually recorded a profit for the first time in 10 or 15 years, which is fantastic for the union and the franchise. And it's, it's a work in progress. They are starting to attract a lot of players from the big unions or the big franchises that aren't giving their players enough game time. And it's starting to happen here at the Cheetahs as well. So give the Kings another two, three years, and I think you'll really have a major player. And the Cheetahs, I do feel slow start to the season. Um, rebuilding after losing 20 players is difficult, particularly they're st- slowly starting to shift into higher gears and... I think it's going to make for quite a good game next weekend when um, Connacht come up to Bloemfontein. Um, but of course, they're playing the Kings this weekend, and that could also be a very interesting game. I think what fascinates us a little bit about both sides, but maybe particularly the Kings, is it's it's very harem scarum rugby. They just keep going, and if they give away a try, they just seem to think, "Well, we'll score one." It's it's mm. it's very high intensity stuff. It sometimes looks a a bit manic. Is, is that a fair fair comment? Uh, absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head with that comment. And I think the reason for that is because a lot of these guys up until last year were playing club rugby or varsity rugby. So they're not used to... These are guys that are only just turning to... Uh, um, starting to turn pro. So they haven't had that experience and been in that pro setup to realise that you know, rugby gets played in a very structured way. And and it's so important for the Kings to be able to play at a very high level to develop South African rugby because that's where the future lies is in South African rugby. And they slowly, as I mentioned just now, slowly starting to attract quite a few good players um, to their ranks. They're getting much more consistent results than last year, although discipline has been their major downfall this year. If it wasn't for discipline, I truly believe they would have beat Leinster a couple of weeks ago the, mm-hmm. at the new mm-hmm. ground, if you want to put it like that. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, uh, as I say, they, they're a frightening prospect because of the fact that in the minute 79th minute, if they're within touching distance, they're, they're, they're still sort of running and, and going forward. Another thing that has struck me, and I think um, this, this was an issue uh, last season, Morgan, and it still seems to be around a bit, is actual attendances at the ground. 
Um, and I know they're quite big grounds, but they mm-hmm. do look quite empty. And I, I'm wondering how much effort is being put into solving that. Yeah, look, the Kings have moved to the Nelson Mandela Bay University grounds, the Madiba Stadium. They moved the the first game was against Leinster a couple of weeks ago. Of because it's a varsity field, it is much smaller. It's more towards the European standards. And the guys were actually talking about it today during the um, open session about how happy they are to be playing there. I, I suppose it's more homely field than this huge empty World Cup stadium that they've been playing in. Um, what a person also doesn't really get to appreciate and see on television is that, like, for example, yeah, at the Teoka Stadium in Blum, the grandstand is generally pretty full, but you don't see it because the camera's on that side of the stadium. Um, but it is a concern. It's really concerned about the attendance we're getting to rugby games in South Africa. People tend to forget as well that South Africa is in a recession at the moment. So financially, the people are really battling but I do feel until we out of the recession and our economy starts going better down here, it is going to take a while before we start seeing um, fuller stadiums. And then, of course, performances. South Africans are very critical about performances. Um, supporters will stand, say they stand thick and thin behind their teams. But I tell you, I, and I know this through first-hand experience, the minute the side starts losing, people start losing interest. And the minute they start winning, Fans get back on seats. Well, I think it was possibly ever thus. I say there's talk yes. of Dion, Dion Davids moving, possibly moving to the Bulls. Uh, have you heard any more on that, Morgan? Yeah, the, the bloke that wrote the article about this is a great mate of mine, and I've spoken to him about it extensively. It's a fact that Dion Davids is on the Bulls shortlist. Wow. It's Dion Davids, it's Victor Matfield, and poor team on the current Blue Bulls coach. The three of them have been shortlisted for this job. Whether Dion's going to get it or not, I don't know. As I said, I don't know if he's going to get the job. I just don't think his record over the past two seasons has been good enough to convince the board of directors at the Blue Wolves Rugby Company that this is the right man for the job. Just in in general, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, Morgan, about attendance uh, in general in South Africa. I'm, I'm going back to this issue because I think... There was a sort of a feeling that rugby was a religion in South Africa, and that might have been very much among the white community. But is the interest still there in in that community, and has it spread into the and and by black I mean the non-white community? Is is it a harder sell? Is there or or is is it as important as it used to be? in the structure of the country. And, I, and I, I'm talking back now. I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember, say, the 1974 Lions Tour, where the mm-hmm. grounds were absolutely, they were beyond jammed. If you, look, if, you, if you look at them now, they look positively dangerous. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. One has to remember in, in the 1974 tour, the Lions Tour, that the grounds were also a lot smaller, although they... You know, they squeeze them in like sardines into a tin. Um, the FIFA World Cup made these grounds in South Africa exceptionally big to accommodate the football that came here. And, you know, all these stadiums technically became a white elephant. 
There has been a definite decline in people opting to stay home and watch a rugby on television. And people will generally rather light a fire and bry some meat and watch the rugby at home than go to the stadium. Um, financials, one of those reasons. I don't know if it's an overkill of rugby in or because there's so much rugby being played in South Africa. I don't know if people get bored of going to the rugby because when I was a kid, it was really a treat to be able to go to the rugby every weekend with my dad and my grandfather and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I think we've moved away from that culture. And mm-hmm. if we want to go to the black community, there is definitely, definitely a big, big gap between the white South Africans going to watch rugby and the black South Africans coming to learn the game. And this is why Eastern Province rugby is so important to South African rugby is because the numbers are there. Um, I go to quite a few of the football matches, which is predominantly black. I tend a lot of times it will be myself and two other journalists and we're the only white guys there. And I'll tell you what, it's an absolute treat going to that. And I wish these guys would actually feel the same way coming to the rugby in South Africa as what I do when I go and watch them football or go and cover a football game. We definitely need to get these guys on board because they've got the numbers. And you look at all the top try scorers from South Africa and the Pro 14 and the best players are not your white guys. Makazoli Mampimpi last year was the leading try scorer up until, what, two weeks ago. And he only played the first 10 rounds of the Pro 14. This year, Rabs Makswani, eight rounds, and he's the leading try scorer. And these are guys from previously disadvantaged backgrounds. So it tells you something about what we can harvest for South African rugby if we start tapping into these guys and getting these kids to love the sport and introducing them to the sport. Has South African rugby been a bit slow to see this or is it just a very hard sell? I think it's a bit of both. I think there was a lot of ignorance in South African rugby and a lot of what we call the Black Shoe Brigade brigade here in South Africa. We've got too many old cronies still involved in rugby where they shouldn't be. And, you know, if you can't change old mindsets, are you going to change the heart of new guys coming in? So South African rugby is definitely, definitely very slow in adopting and realising this. Using the word transformation, quote, it puts South Africa back five to ten years in the development of the game, whereas you should have just made the guys feel welcome and not make them feel like they're there because they need to be there just to look good for the world image. So I think it's a bit of both. The sell is very difficult because... Remember, little kids growing up in locations and the townships have grown up with football. That was the only sport they were allowed to play for many, many, many years in South Africa. They weren't allowed to play cricket. They weren't allowed to play rugby. They weren't allowed to swim. They weren't allowed to do this. Football was the only thing they were allowed to play. And it's it's ingrained into them. It's their culture. It's something that they're very proud of. Although the national football team isn't good in the world rankings, the guys are still dying hard over their football. So trying to sell that to them is very difficult, but it's something that needs to happen. And I think it is slowly starting to happen. If I look at Gray College, which is yeah, which is one of the top rugby schools in the world, they are, even two years ago, you'd have a lily white first rugby team. And 
that's where the problem lies, is if you've got a high school team that's lily white. They are slowly starting to get the numbers better. And once you get the, the structures right at the right levels, you're going to see it automatically transfer into the professional ranks in the coming days. And this is also what South African rugby did wrong, is they're trying to enforce it at the top level instead of working from the ground up. You know, they didn't lay the foundation to have the system in place today. But it's slowly starting to come right. Well, Morgan, it's been great to talk to you. We'll definitely be in touch with you again uh, much sooner rather than later to, to get to get an update on what's going on down there. But excellent to talk to you, and um, we, we look forward to talking again soon. I really enjoyed a chat with you guys tonight. Fascinating stuff there from Morgan. Wow, that's um, rugby in South Africa is in... Um it's interesting times. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely evolving, um, and I think it's probably contracting a little bit at the same time. And I think there's a, it's it's they've been very slow to react. Cricket had similar issues, and look, it, it is a racial issue. It did come down to the apartheid system and the change of government in 1992, stroke 94. I think cricket has reacted a hell of a lot quicker than rugby has. Rugby was the dominant game of uh, white people in South Africa, but I think they've been a little bit slow to react, as he calls them there, uh, the black shoes, which I think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will, Will, Will Carling called them 57 old something or others. Yes. Uh, but it's just, uh, it's just different, and I think... It, it does operate in a bit of a bubble and I think it's important for us to try to understand it because it's becoming an integral part of our season. Yeah. And uh, it was great to get that insight and we'll have Morgan back in about two weeks after Connacht have completed their tour and played their second match in Bloemfontein to get his appraisal of what he saw there. Now to everybody listening, if you'd like to help keep the Craggy Rugby podcast on the road, please have a listen to this. Guys, you've heard about Patreon. If you haven't, look it up. And it's on our website. It'll be on our Twitter account. It's your way of giving back, if you can, to us. All about it with the donate button. A little bit more on that in a second. But we just wanted to take this opportunity each time we're telling you about that to just tell you a little bit about the top presses behind the scenes and what Craggy Rugby is about. It started four years ago. We started doing audio podcasts around Connacht maybe as early as 2008. One of the things I want to talk about is what is the idea of having a media group like us, a little group of media people to join with the small group of people who try to cover Connacht rugby? And why do we think there's a need for it? Well, one of the reasons is someone needs to be a watchdog on the process. And that's what we are as journalists. And look, we know there'll be people out there who think sometimes we're too soft on this Connacht organisation and team. You should be much harder. And we kind of push those extremists to one side because we feel, you know, come on, guys, settle down. It's not that easy to just shoot from the hip. You can just do that on Twitter. And really, you're just shouting into a vacuum and you're doing no good to affect change. Of course, the other end of the stick is there's people out there who the second we criticise this team, even one iota will tell you, you're from Connacht. If you're criticising us, I hope have we we're pushing them to one side as well they're the bottom five percent we're thinking come on guys we're not going to progress if we don't be self-critical and we try and position ourselves in the middle fair yeah i think so um we expect connacht to raise themselves to a certain standard and and put the time and effort in to you know make sure that they uh, represent the province the way we know that they can and have done in the past and in order to do that i think you need the fourth estate the media to to keep them honest in my view um i don't think just cheerleading um 
does the job. I think it needs to have somebody to ask them questions, tough questions that they need to think about and answer, which you'd like to think will bring up their standards. Much like us, I, you know, if anyone out there has any criticisms and wants to fire stuff at us, we're willing to take them on board and, and try and improve the podcast as we go along. I think one of the things that sometimes is missed, we can criticise something in Connacht. We can say they didn't do this right, they didn't do that right on the field. But the hardest critics are probably within that their own team and they're not going to break that down for us and no, nor should they that's something that they have to work on within their structures you can be assured that when there's a defeat or there's players who haven't performed that they they have structures in place to take that on we have to ask questions about why something happened but criticism for the sake of it doesn't really achieve anything it has to have a nuance to it and that comes from experience of watching and trying to understand what they're doing and by attending every game and being around at every at every game home and away we see the work in progress and hopefully that brings you to complete coverage if you like what we do and we know a lot of you do because you listen to us throughout the summer never mind during the season in big big numbers log on to patreon.com slash craggy rugby and you'll see the suggested donation is two euro. You can give a little bit more if you feel like there's a need to. And if you can't donate, just spread the word. Do whatever you can for us. We always appreciate your support, even by just pressing the play on the listen. It really helps us. So stick with us and hopefully we can keep bringing you this high level of quality content. Huge couple of games for Connacht now to, to really sort of keep themselves in the, in the running. Like, you know, Connacht are in a much better position now than they were at this point last season um, to have every chance of, of making a playoff but they're, they're going to need some results down in South Africa Yeah I've kind of said to myself I think if they can come back out of South Africa with six points which would be a bonus point win and a, a losing bonus point they're obviously gone down there to win both games they'd be looking to get ten points mm. um, but I think they have to win one game Alan e, it's, uh, you're eight games in you've thirteen games left so it's it's just a numbers game. It's 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 games moving up and down the board, and uh, most teams that go down there manage to win one game. Some teams win two, uh, or get a bonus, or w- win a game. So, Connacht have got to aim quite high. I think uh, you would feel maybe that the Kings would be the more targetable team. They've they're still in transition story now that their their coach might be leaving so um, let's have a listen to what Morgan had to say about this aspect of the weekend I think because you've got two games in two totally different parts of the country it makes it a little bit tougher because you've got one game that's at the coast and the following week you guys are coming up to altitude and altitude has been that it's a little bit of a Achilles heel for a lot of the teams the, the really big teams have been able to manage altitude. So it's, uh, but Connacht did it quite well last year when they were in Blum. They spent the entire week in Blum in a searing heat. And they acclimatized quite well. And if we remember, it was a one-point game. It was a last-minute Neil Murray penalty. They won that game um, for the Cheetahs. So it is a tough tour for you guys coming down here. But I think it's a very doable tour where, you know... It breaks my heart saying this, but I think you guys will definitely take points this weekend on Sunday against the Kings in Port Elizabeth. Um, we spoke about 
as being a very manic side, an erratic side, and an unsettled side. And the news of Dion Davids possibly going to the Bulls or being linked to the Bulls will be playing on the back of the players' minds. It's nature, it's human nature. Those kind of things does affect your performance when you hear your boss is leaving or the business is closing. So it's going to be a tough one for the Kings, but the Kings have proven this season already that they can beat some of the best and also compete with some of the best at home. Um, Glasgow Warriors, as we mentioned, are actually lost to the Kings there. That Leinster game was a lot tighter than what the scoreline suggested. Three yellow cards going Kings' way. That result could have actually have been totally different and it could have been a win for the Kings over Leinster. The Cheetahs have been preparing in searing heat for the last two weeks. Um, the scales have been tipping around 38, yeah? But the good news for you guys is that we had rain tonight and this heat wave seems to have been broken for the time being. So I just think... Regardless of what the results are going to be, I think it's going to be a fantastic tour by Connacht. They're a very exciting team to watch, in my opinion, and they're also a lovely team to work with because I think they also very much buy into the same principle of these two South African teams where, you know, it's... Um, in Afrikaans, they've got a beautiful word called Hartsmenser. And from what I can hear from you guys is guys from the Galway region are very earthy people or down-to-earth kind of people, and I, I picked that up with Connacht last year. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, so I can't wait for both these games. And you've got a situation where the Kings have never beaten an Irish team, and Morgan didn't seem to think that, uh, Morgan seemed to think that, you know, that was our best chance of getting the victory as well, so um, pressure's on this weekend. The weather looks as though it's going to be nice, for especially there's a huge travelling support down there they're, they're filling up the, the kind of clan are down there in in big numbers i believe um letting us know how they're enjoying the weather or not in some cases i think there's a bit of rain but i think port elizabeth is going very well and it's 24 25 degrees at the weekend so a nice breeze should be uh should be good a good game well it'll be an open game alan that's the only way they play and because it's a cross-conference game I mean, if Connacht win that 35 34 and get five points great that you just have to win it you it it doesn't matter if they get a bonus point if they get two bonus points if they get within seven points if you can get four tries they're in the other conference you know you're not worried yeah so it's it that's a different kind of setup to the cheetahs game connacht did well down there last year and they got the rub of a very dodgy in my opinion penalty decision right at the end of the game there may have been some wrong calls about how Connacht used their substitutes and that's history it's gone yeah. but they know they know what to expect there the players a lot of the players have been down there before a lot of the coaching staff were down there last year Andy Friend has coached down there with Super Rugby sites so they know what's ahead of them doing it slightly differently this time they're based in Cape Town they're going to fly into Port Elizabeth play the game go back to Cape Town they're doing a very short hop into Bloemfontein to play the match at altitude um, and really, that's probably the way you would do it on a on a tour basis. If you were going down just to play the one game, you might go into Bloemfontein and do a longer acclimatisation. Mm. But two big games, and um, if they can, they they need they have to win one of them, and they need to they need to pick up some points. They need to keep that p- position in the table because after the European games. You're into three very serious interprovincials. 
and then you've got a huge game against Cardiff. Now, I know that's a long way off in January, but you can, if, if you say to yourself that maybe Glasgow, and I accept they're not high-flying at the minute, but you feel that like Glasgow and Munster are probably going to cement themselves at the top of this table, mm. and then the other positions are going to be Ospreys, Cardiff, and Connacht are going to be in or around um, third, fourth, fifth. I hope Connacht finish higher. You know, they're, they're going to aim higher. Yeah, but this it's 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 about wins now. Yeah, so let's hear the Kings who are targeting Connacht, um, as as announced by their assistant coach Chimani Boy, and uh, the bit of audio that we got from from the Southern Hemisphere today. We will be targeting it. Um, we know that they will be bringing a, a strong side. Some of the guys arrested in the Irish team, so. Um, we are targeting it and hopefully it could be our second win. Yeah. What has the focus been on your training this week, uh, Coach? Well, we know that they're very organised and uh, I mean they've got a good set-piece. Yeah. Scrums and line-outs are very good. So uh, from our side, we know that with ball in hand, we are very dangerous. So we're focusing more on, on our strengths, which is ball in hand and, and ensuring that we get quick quick ball and, and hopefully we can move it to our speedsters out wide. Um, from your studies of Connacht, uh, what, what do you make of them? Well, they've won a few of their games. Like I said, they are an organised team, well coached. Um, they've got good set piece. Um, and they, I mean, they've, if you look at their backs, they, they've got a couple of internationals there and uh, they can move the ball around uh, quite well. So, yeah, it will be a hard team to stop. Yeah, and they've got a couple of good players down there. They're, they're, you know, they've got a full-back, Harlan Klassen, who's going to be dangerous, and we're going to have to keep an eye on him. Their backs are very dangerous, but the, the one thing that might kill them, that's been killing them all season, is, is discipline. 15 yellow cards in eight games. I don't think that's ever happened before. Well, they managed to get three in about 11 minutes against Leinster. I, think, I do think the referee rather lost the, the run of it. Yeah, look, it's, it's a big challenge. Uh, they've got issues. They, they've lost players. Players have come in. Now there's a feeling that their coach could be on the move. So there might be a little bit of discontent down there. Before uh, Connacht went, I got the opportunity to talk to Andy Friend after their final training session in Galway last Friday and this is what he had to say about South African conditions. And the players back today after the, after the break. Uh, just been watching them running around there out on, on, on the main pitch. Uh, good to be back in action? Yeah, great to be back. I think um, it was good for everyone to have the break but uh, just good to see everyone's faces to, again to be honest. And I think uh, they felt the same way. Um, yeah, everyone's come back refreshed and ready to go for this next block. This is a different challenge now. It's more than a mini tour. It's a two-game tour. It's going down. I was talking to a journalist in Bloemfontein yesterday. It was 38 degrees when the Cheetahs were training, which is pretty warm. Uh, how do you how do you prepare for that? What how do you when do you start setting up? Well, we've we've actually started. So. Um, uh, post as soon as the, the Dragons game finished, we we reviewed that and then we uh, and we reviewed the block and then we started to look ahead at well what what lies ahead of us here. So yes, we did give the boys some time away, but 
Um, they had some heat uh, acclimatisation that they had to get uh, done during their break. They had plenty of sessions they had to get done during their break. We gave them their GPS units and we're just checking that data now to make sure they've done their work there. So we did want to give them some time away, but at the same time we, we're still professional footballers and we need to make sure they kept training So and preparing properly for what we're going to face over there in in Port Elizabeth and then in Bloemfontein. So I, I believe, listen, we're on, the, on track with that. We've just done a two-hour session out there today, which is a, a welcome back session. The boys look good and ready to fly on Sunday. When you go down there, I mean, when you watch the rugby, uh, I've watched a few of the games this season, it just strikes you that it's it's sort of non-stop. They just keep coming. You, you, get, you get opportunities, but the Kings just seem to keep running. It's just, it, doesn't, it doesn't look very subtle. No, listen, they're amazing athletes, you know, and I think that's, that's the one thing that uh, when you watch their rugby, I, I'm, I'm forever amazed by the athleticism of their players. It doesn't matter whether they've got number one or number 15 on their back. They seem to be quick. Um, they seem to be certainly powerful, and they're big men. That Certainly the, the, the front front eight are normally very big men. Um, so we know what's coming there. Again, we we haven't spoken too much about that, uh, in all honesty, not at this stage. Um, one of the big learns we got out of... Uh, our first block of 10 games, the more we just focused on us. And we, we spent 80% of our time focused on us anyway, but on a couple of occasions we might have focused a little bit more on what the opposition possessed and it was on those occasions that we got ourselves tripped up and we didn't have our best performances. So it's more about us. We know they're athletes. We know that um, you know it's going to be a physical and, a, and a, an aerobic game, but uh, if our systems, if we stick to our systems, we think we've got enough to handle it. And you're handling the altitude in the second game by just flying in 24 hours in advance. There seems to be lots of different theories as to as to what you do with altitude. Yeah, I mean, I've been to the high veld now, probably this will be my 10th occasion, um, with Super Rugby, with Waratahs, with Brumbies, uh, and now over here with, with, uh, with Connet Eagle, so, or with Connet. Um, uh, I think if, if you read all the literature, yeah, it's, it's varied. Um, I think if you had three weeks to get there and prepare yourself, that would probably be the best way to do it, but we don't. Um, so uh, my view on it previously is let's let's get our proper preparation in for the for the week ahead, which we'll we'll stay in Cape Town for that week, and we'll fly up the day before, and then we've got to knuckle down to 80 minutes of work on the on the Saturday. And looking at the players, everybody, players starting to come back, uh, sort of like Owen Masterson and Dave uh, Heffern, and they probably aren't travelling, but uh, generally it's a pretty good squad. But Conan O'Donnell picked up a hand injury. Yeah, really disappointing for Conan. He's been he's been great for us this year. He's played loose head and tight head. He's, he's been a real saviour for us on occasions there. Um, but he broke his hand, sadly, in the in the Dragons game. He's had, he's had surgery on that and looks like he'll be at least two months. So everybody else has to step up. Uh, Dominic Robertson, McCoy back after the ban, and raring to go, I'd say. Yeah, Dom's back, so um, yeah, he's yeah, so he's ready to go. He's uh, uh, feels like a long time ago that that happened, but only six weeks ago. Well, probably seven weeks ago now with um, with the break. But uh, yeah, he's he's got a point to prove. He was disappointed with himself, and uh, yeah, that's well be- well behind us now. Um, but it's great to be able to take him and get him back involved. And we've also got uh, Tom Farrell was with the is travelling with you, but he was with the Ireland camp this week, and the New Zealand match tomorrow. Two Connacht men, key positions: Kieran Murray and Bundy Aki. That that must be pleasing to the organisation here. Yeah, really pleased, and, and yeah, proud of those blokes and how they've worked to to earn that right. 
um, you know, probably one of the highlights of their rugby careers. Uh, will be playing against the mighty All Blacks at, at home. So, yeah, really pleased for them, and and we'll we'll be watching and cheering them on. Well, we hope to catch up with you in South Africa on Galway BFM, and uh, we'll be watching from a distance. I look forward to it. Thanks, William. Yeah, I think he's he's looking forward to that trip. Um, William, you sent me a preview of what's happening this weekend. Let's have a listen. Well, the Pro 14 is back in action on Friday night, and there's a couple of absolutely key games that involve teams in Connacht's conference. Uh, all these matches kicking off at 19.35. Glasgow versus Cardiff Blues. Leinster versus Ospreys. Scarlets versus Ulster. One game on Saturday with a 12.30 start. All these times are Irish. Uh, the Cheetahs playing Benetton Treviso. And then on Sunday, three matches. At 1300 hours Irish, 1pm. Southern Kings versus Connacht. 15.30, Zebra versus Munster. And 17.30, Dragons versus Edinburgh. And looking ahead, we'll be back in European action very soon. On Saturday at uh, 13.45, Bordeaux versus Toulon. Bordeaux, of course, now without coach Rory Teague, who was let go about 10 days ago. Also on Saturday at 5pm, Perpignan versus Castres. Perpignan still looking for their first win of the season. And Sale are at home to Northampton. And that's got a 1pm start on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see how those games go. So, big weekend for the Pro 14 coming back, even though there's still internationals going on. It's going to take a couple of weeks and then we're into Europe. Yeah, well, there's a lot of rugby. There's a lot of televised rugby next weekend, Alan. <laughs> Huge there's amount. absolutely scary amounts of televised <laughs> rugby. There's two matches, or three matches if you watch all of them on Friday, and then you've got a hell of a load of internationals on Saturday. Um... Yeah, and some then, good games there. Some some interesting some interesting ones on Saturday for for the internationals. And then, as you say, you got Sunday to Sunday to watch Connacht. It's going to be very it's going to be very interesting. Um, look, the Ireland USA game. Pity for us, I suppose, is that Adj McGinty is is injured. He's also he went to have surgery, uh, so we didn't see him play for Sale, and we're not seeing him now. Um, but that's an opportunity for other guys to put up their hands. I hope. Um, we see Quinru and Finlay Bealham again. Yeah, uh, that game will be very important for them to to, to keep their uh, hat in the ring. And we'll be following Connacht with great interest. Uh, one o'clock on Saturday, uh, Sunday, one o'clock on Sunday, and then next week we'll be uh, having a review of that game and a review of of the, the Pro Fourteen. Th- those two games involving uh, the Ospreys and Cardiff are huge for Connacht because. If either one of those sides is able to get an away win, that just puts pressure on because they, you know collecting wins like that within your conference, it's it's an opportunity, and um, it would be very handy from a Connacht point of view if the two home teams won those games. It most certainly would. I think we can leave it there, William. It's been a busy all night for us, and um, we'll chat again over the weekend. Thanks, William. Good night, Alan. 